this is Denise Lee Yan, and welcome to the Brand as Business Bites podcast. The Brand as Business Bites podcast features great stuff for your brain to chew on, including insights and interviews with newsmakers, brand builders, and thought leaders. It's available on iTunes and on my website, DeniseLeeYon.com. Today, we're going to hear from Stefan Arstel, the CEO and founder of Tower Paddleboards. Now, you might have seen Stefan on Shark Tank a few years ago, although thanks to a computer glitch, his pitch was considered kind of a screw-up. Um, he actually ended up with investment from Mark Cuban. And Mark has gone on to say that Stefan has done an amazing job growing Tower into a dominant industry force. He is one of my best Shark Tank investments. So Stefan joins us today to talk about his new book, The Five-Hour Workday, Live Differently, Unlock Productivity, and Find Happiness. Welcome, Stefan. Hi, hi, Denise. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And you're you're very generous in your introduction there. I'm, I'm, I'm more and more known as uh, the worst pitch in the history of Shark Tank that still landed a deal. <laughs> hey, if that's if that's the worst that people say about you, I think that's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the obvious question about your book, the five-hour workday. Like five hours, really? Like, how does that work? And um, what are the results? that you've seen since you've implemented a five-hour workday at your company? Okay. Uh, I mean, first, really, the, the way we look at this is that the eight-hour workday is basically outdated. I mean, it was invented 100 years ago, um, you know, by Henry Ford, 1914, for factory workers. Um, and it was in response uh, to the Industrial Revolution. Uh, prior to that, uh, you know, workers in factories were working 10 to 16 hours a day, six days a week. Um, and then, you know, automation came along and the, you know, assembly line came along and all of a sudden productivity uh, changed. And it was a sea change, really. It was probably a 10x change. So instead of, you know, leaning on the brooms for 10 to 16 hours a day, all of a sudden they were having to keep pace with the assembly line. It became unsustainable. I mean, literally, you know, one half of the one half of one percent of the U.S. population was dying or being injured on the job. I mean, it was it was really atrocious. There was sort of this. Um, you know, very difficult to, to work and maintain this. And, you know, Henry Ford sort of saw this, and they were there was high turnover in his workers. So he said there needed to be an adjustment, and that's when he ushered in the eight-hour workday, five days a week, and he also, you know, double wages to $5 a day. Um, mm-hmm. Fast forward 100 years, and we're going through this same sea change in, you know, the productivity of workers. But this time, it's for workers' minds. It's for knowledge workers, where before it was for physical work. Um, and like factory stuff. Um, and so, again, you know, you have productivity over the last 40 years in the U.S. is up 80%, but wages are only up, you know, 11%. And that's productivity of all workers. So blue, blue collar, white collar, if you look at really knowledge workers, it's probably up three or 400%. Um, mm-hmm. And instead of working shorter hours, we're working longer hours. And this is creating all kinds of societal ills. Again, we've got, you know, um, a lot of stress-related diseases. We've got obesity. We've got, you know, a high divorce rate. We've got unhappy children, all of this stuff. So you basically need a reset. That's why, you know, we we are doing this sort of experiment with the five-hour workday that we started a year and a half ago. 
what are the results of this? Um, you know, it, it's really great. I mean, first, you have your workers, there's sort of a change in attitude about work. We work 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. There's no lunch in there. And when you, when you make that change, um, it's revolutionary because all of a sudden you have a work week better than most people's vacation weeks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from 1 o'clock till whenever you go to bed, every day during the week you have this chunk of, you know, 9 or 10 hours every day, and then you have your weekend. Uh, so it's really this, you know, a change in lifestyle of just thinking very work-centric to, you know, what are other things in life that interest you? And your workers' minds and mentality changes from work as being this, you know, trudge. In America right now, it's like 70 to 80% of workers are basically unsatisfied at work. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the current situation. What we've moved to in our company is, you know, people here just see work as this thing you do in the morning to afford you this sort of extraordinary life. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that that mental change is a big thing. But then, you know, when you put numbers to this, if we look at, uh, you know, a year into this, you know, revenues are up 42%, uh, you know, year over year. Income as a percent of revenue is up 31%, so we're more profitable. Um, expenses as a percentage of revenue are down 23%, so we're, you know, we're being more efficient with this. And then, you know, payroll as a percentage of revenue is down 20, 29%. Wow. Huh. Those are pretty impressive results. Congratulations. Thank you, Denny. <laughs> now, I appreciate about your book is that although the main topic is the five-hour workday, you also kind of cover, you know, broader topics and related subjects and, um, you know, like the state of business in general. And one of the things that you talk about is how you believe that today is kind of like the golden age of entrepreneurship. What makes you say that? You know, I, I think it really is this this sea change in productivity that's happened here. Is the, the idea now that one person can be, you know, massively productive. And how I really stumbled into this sort of five-hour workday concept is this is how I was working as an entrepreneur and being very successful with it. This is how all of the independent workers and entrepreneurs that I know were also working. They weren't working, you know, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., but they mm-hmm. were, you know, coming in, knocking their work out, and then getting out of there. They weren't clocking mm-hmm. hours. They were clocking productivity. Um, and it's, it's possible because of all these sort of off the shelf, you know, productivity tools that are out there. Um, you know, in, in the e-commerce world that I'm in, you know, even 15 years ago to build an e-commerce site, you know, you had to get a bunch of developers and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop this site. Now you can go get, you know, technology as good as Amazon and, you know, rent it for $29 a month, you know, with no money down. So (laughs) it's just very cheap to do that. And then, and then the, just the connectivity of the world, how it's changed with the Internet and social media has really opened things up. So you're able now, a single individual is able to leverage, uh, you know, what they call in the growth hacking world, other people's networks. So mm-hmm. you have a company like Airbnb that's able to go to, a, you know, a multi-billion dollar company overnight uh, by basically leveraging Craigslist. You know, free posts mm-hmm. on Craigslist is how Airbnb, you know, started. They had, mm-hmm. Craigslist had this huge network. Two guys can start a company in a garage, leverage that huge network. Um, with Tower Paddleboards, the same thing. I mean, we're a, a small team, and we're able to leverage, you know, search engine marketing, uh, free, you know, marketing basically on Google, you know, this huge network to build an entire company. And now we're also leveraging a huge network, you know, of Amazon. Uh, this just wasn't possible, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And then, you know, you have individuals that are able to leverage things like social media, 
to, you know, get 100,000 followers or, you know, 10 million followers mm -hmm. uh, very quickly in a few years. I have friends that have, uh, you know, YouTube channels that have seven, several million subscribers. You know, two people with a camera now have, you know, the reach of a small cable network. Mm -hmm. uh, this just was, was not possible. Now that it is, that's a golden age for entrepreneurship. I mean, mm -hmm. one person can do, you know, amazing things. Yeah, yeah, I can see why you're optimistic. Um, and, and so that kind of relates to something else that you wrote about, um, where you predicted that we're entering a period of renaissance, about the renaissance economy. So I thought it'd be helpful if you explain, like, what you mean by that and, and what impact do you think the renaissance economy will have on, on the world kind of more broadly? Yeah, and this book really was was written from an American perspective. So mm -hmm. what's happened in America, you, you know, over the last hundred years is we've become a consumerism economy, really driven by you know buying things and valuing things, and focusing almost solely on work and being defined you know solely on work. And mm -hmm. I think what's happening here, as we get more and more efficient, and um, you know things are getting cheaper, all of a sudden we can, you know, switch from valuing things to valuing time. And I think that's mm -hmm. what people are, are actually doing. And the mm -hmm. idea of, you know, valuing experiences over things. These are becoming much more uh, valuable things because th these are what people are realizing is leading to, uh, you know, happiness. If mm -hmm. you want to increase majority um, your quality of life in America today, it's not making another $10,000. That's not really going to uh, increase your quality of life. Having more time to spend with friends and family, to spend on your health, to spend doing things that you are interested in. That's how you're going to increase uh, the quality of your life. Because mm -hmm. in America, as much as we talk about, you know, separation of classes, poverty and stuff like this, we're really in sort of a land of abundance. And most, you know, first world countries around the world mm -hmm. are in this same thing, where mm -hmm. even people, you know, on, on welfare, you know, have iPhones, flat screen TVs and cars <laughs> or multiple cars. Uh, right. And, and right. we and we consider these poor people, but if you look at a place, you know, like South Africa and you go into the, you know, slums of South Africa, um, well, basically a homeless person in the U.S. has a better quality of life than the average citizen, you know, right. in, in those areas of the world. So in those areas of the world, you know, if you make another $100, your life changes. In the U.S., it doesn't. What changes your life in America is this sort of idea of time. And I think how we're going to use that time. I think a lot of companies are doing what we're doing, reducing the work hours, going to more flexible work things, uh, mm -hmm. is you can spend that time, you know, improving your health, uh, improving your relationships, spending more time with family, you know, uh, sort of building more culture, you know, into your, uh, into your world, art, you know, food, stuff like that is becoming more important. And I think it's going to be an exciting time in, in history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I hadn't planned on asking you this, but this kind of um, leads me to think, you just kind of as you were talking, that um, are there opportunities for uh, those of us in like Western do live in a land of abundance to like, do you think that part of this Renaissance economy um, should be about um, improving the quality of life around the world and um, kind of raising the the quality of life for everyone, you know, not just kind of in a hedonistic, oh, well, now I'm going to improve my own life, but actually um, use it uh, to for like the broader good. Uh, do, do you see that as, as part of this outcome or should it be part of the outcome? 
Yeah, I, I think I think definitely. I mean, sort of mankind is sort of one one entity. I think it's the way we look at it, and especially the world is very you know connected today. So what's good for us is for you know the rest of the world in in, in a sense. So this this productivity, even though we're going to have more time, we're going to be I would say not even just as productive, but more productive on the ability mm-hmm. to you know create advancements for for humanity. Um, we're going to be making things cheaper. Um, so, you know, people in other you know countries that don't make as much money, things are just going to be cheaper. So that money will go farther. Um, mm-hmm. it, this isn't about saying, okay, we've made it. Let's kick back and basically retire. What this is saying is that what we used to take eight to 10 hours a day to do now takes only two to three hours. So in the U.S., we're still going to work hard and focus and concentrate in those two hours. And that's really all you can do, you know, in a knowledge working world because the brain tires out at sort of a different um, you know, pace than the body. So mm-hmm. we're still going to be just as productive. We're still going to be making, you know, the, the advance in like technology in the world is just you know, off the charts pace right now. Um, so I think we will, uh, you know, affect the rest of this world. But at the same time, you know, you're going to have more of a life. It's, I think that's a hard concept for people to wrap, uh, you know, their, their brains around because they, they kind of think, well, you know, if you do five hours of work, you get this much done. And if you do 10 hours of work, you're going to get twice the much, less much done. So if you just start working five hours, you're basically going into retirement. Yeah, we understand you're going to get less done. That's not the way knowledge worker, you know, the knowledge worker world works. Um, there's right. a famous quote by Bill Gates where he says that, you know, one, um, one brilliant coder is basically worth 10,000 average coders. So that <laughs> one brilliant coder can do in, you know, a 40-hour week or, a, you know, an eight-hour day what somebody else can do in 80,000 hours. You know, that's a bunch of people, you know, 40 people per, you know, 20 years or whatever the, whatever the mask is on that. <laughs> so this is, this is what it's about, using these knowledge tools to become much more productive. We can still do amazing things, and we'll do even more amazing things because, you know, reducing uh, pretty time constraints on the, the, what you're doing in knowledge working world actually produces better results. Right. Because um, it forces you to, to find creative solutions, uh, which is basically technology. And then also, um, you know, just, just use tools that are already there that people are just not using today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and so that brings us full circle. I did want to um, come back um, before we wrap up to this to the five-hour workday. And I'm sure you've heard all sorts of objections or back from business owners who just don't think like, oh, Stefan, that's a great idea, five-hour workday, but there's no way that I could implement that in my company, right? So uh, what do you say to people who just kind of um, can't, don't see how they could make it work? Okay, well, I think if you take a look at just history, you know, when Henry Ford ushered in the eight-hour day before they were working 10 to 16-hour days. Everybody, every one of his competitors said, you're ruining the industry. Everybody thought he's going to go out of business. What really happened is he changed the world. He ushered in the consumer economy, basically. And Ford Motor Company went from being, uh, you know, a decent competitor in the car industry to having 61% market share in a period of, I think it was like seven to 10 years. Wow. So basically attracted all of the good workers in the world. Um, and, you know, that's really what you want to do. It's even more so today. And, you know, let those people work. And, you know, he got the respect of his customers because he was actually taking care of his workers. Um, so sort of that social good actually had, you know, a financial payoff. So mm-hmm. you're doing good for your workers, but this is going to dramatically change your business. If you look at our business, two years ago, we were the fastest growing company in San Diego. 
as a surf company, which nobody even takes serious in San Diego. You know, there's five people doing five million in revenue. Last year, we were number 239 on the Inc. 500 um, of the fastest growing companies, you know, in the nation. So I'm, you know, the proof is in the pudding here. We're going to build the biggest, the fastest growing and, you know, the biggest beach lifestyle company in the world. And we're going to do it working five hours. And if you're looking at us saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that would work for me. What I'm saying is you're basically doing it wrong. Hmm. Wow. There's an easy test that these companies can do. Because when we rolled out the five-hour workday, we did it as a three-month, you know, sort of summer hours. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was June 1st. And I said, okay, for the rest of the summer, everybody's going to knock off at 1. We're not going to have lunch. We're going to go 8 a.m. to 1. And I want you to figure out how to get, you know, everything done that you were doing before, but you got to walk out the door at 1. So it turned everybody into their productivity experts, basically. Mm-hmm. And I said, and if you can't get what you were doing before done, you're going to be fired. In wow. the fall, we're going to roll back. <laughs> and I figured all of these all of these productivity enhancements that people have found, all of these new tools that they found, when we go back to the eight-hour day, that will make them do two days' work in one day. <laughs> so any, any company <laughs> – any company can do that. It's basically a risk-free, you know, give your employees the summer off, turn them all into productivity experts, and then in fall, uh, reap the benefits of everything they've learned. Uh, that's risk-free. Any company can do that. Right. That's great. Cool. Well, um, I I want to make sure that my listeners know get a copy of your book as well as um, you I love how you made um, a lot of the materials available for free download in fact um, you, I love the um, kind of productivity tools uh, list that you put out so please tell people how they can get those your book and the materials and then how can they learn more about you and Tower sure yeah I mean the, the book is available at amazon.com and our company is Tower Paddleboards, so it's towerpaddleboards.com. And if you want um, any of the information in the book, we actually give away, I think, the first 48 pages of the book for free as a PDF um, on our website, so 5hourworkday.com. So you can go there and download that, that portion of the, uh, the book for free. And the book is actually very, very affordable. I'm not trying to make a ton of money off of this book. We're trying to really sort of spread this message is, is what we're trying to do. So I think that book is like five ninety nine or something. Um, and then also, and this is a very important uh, you know piece and a critical tool, is on uh, 5hourworkday.com, you can download this PDF, and it must be 30 or 40 pages, that details you know the 30-odd tools, productivity tools that we use inside Tower Paddleboards to allow us to work five hours a day and, and grow you know this fast-growing company. This is basically the secret sauce of our company. I'm telling you, if you go on there and use some of these tools, some of these tools are literally worth a million dollars to people um, in certain types of companies, and they will save just, you know, hours or weeks or, or years of your time. And uh, we just sort of put it all out there because we think, like, when, when I started this experiment, um, it was just me. I was looking, how could I give myself sort of a better life? And then all of a sudden I went from being a one-person company to a company that had, you know, 10 employees. And I said, okay, I sort of felt responsible for their, you know, happiness, well-being or whatever. So I said, why can't I give, you know, these people sort of what I've sort of learned to do myself? We can run a whole company like this and be, you know, highly, highly productive at the same time. So this will, this will pay off. And then we thought, um, you know, why can't we just show, you know, other companies to do this? We could literally affect, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of, of people's lives if we can get other companies to, you know, adopt the five-hour workday and sort of, you know, really do a, a massive change in the 
and the happiness of, of people's lives. Yeah, and I have to say um, it, it's made an impact on me. I went through that list of um, your tools and I've already um, I discovered some ones I wasn't aware of and I've already started looking into them. So thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for a great book. Thank you for taking a risk and sticking your neck out there with the five-hour workday. And um, I wish you the best, Stefan. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Denise. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Brand as Business Bites podcast. Be sure to subscribe to it on iTunes or through my website, deniseleeyon.com. And check out my new best-selling book, What Great Brands Do, The Seven Brand-Building Principles That Separate the Best from the Rest. Go to whatgreatbrandsdo.com. And remember, good is the enemy of great. Greatness is a choice. Choose to be great.